and as we read the Word that God has graciously given to His people. Again, our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis. Again, hear the Word of the Lord. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. And your descendants after you. In their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you. The land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He, is, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you've given us these words on this day. And to God, we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will guide these words and apply them unto our hearts. To God, that we might show forth our thanksgiving for your grace. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This is one of these passages in Scripture that we have read many times. Or at least we think we have read many times. It's a passage of Scripture which is somewhat perplexing for those of us who live in the New Covenant age. This act of circumcision, this, this act of God coming and speaking with His people... Both are are somewhat foreign to us. We don't circumcise our eight-day-year-old boys as a sign to the Lord anymore. We uh, do not receive visits from God in heaven in this way. And so both of the things that are happening in this passage, as I said, can seem somewhat strange. Now, of course, as we have been going through this series on baptism, one of the points that we've made 
is that in the New Covenant Church, in the New Testament, that circumcision has been replaced by baptism. Now in the New Covenant, we apply this sign of the covenant uh, to our infant children and to all who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, one of the things that's important for us as we look at the 17th chapter of Genesis is that while this sign of the covenant has changed, the actual covenant itself has not. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 will make it clear that this is the case. He will be speaking in the midst of this. He said in reference to Abraham in Romans 4.11, he says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, and righteousness might be imputed to them also. Again, likewise, later on in verse 17, he says, That is it written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Again, we see here in Romans 4, Again, the way in which this sign worked in the book of Genesis is the same way the sign works in the New Testament. It's important for us as we think about the work of God in our lives today that we understand that though the outward means have changed, again, nothing about God has changed and nothing about His people have changed. You see, what's going on in Genesis 17 is a renewal of the promise that God made to Abram in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And we'll make again in Genesis 22. Again, this reminder that Abram and Abraham now will be this father of many nations. That out of him will come not only a king but will come those who bear the name of the Lord our God. And again, when we think about that, you know, what does that say about us? About Christians? Again, how are we known? Right? We are known by the name of Christ. You know, that word Christians is given to us in the book of Acts. And that word means that we belong unto the Lord Jesus. That we are His by His work, by His labors on the cross at Calvary. And again, we are His by this work because we were in the Lord Jesus Christ from the very beginning of the world. You see, when God called Abram out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees, you see, Abram wasn't just kind of randomly selected. God wasn't playing darts in heaven and said, well, somebody has to be the Father and let me close my eyes and throw the dart. That's one of the things we were doing yesterday at the fall festival was throwing darts at a board. And some of us were a little bit better than others. Not to to brag at all, but the, the work that was being done there in heaven is the work, again, that God was not acting that way. Again, nothing that God does is by accident. Nothing that God does is by chance. Everything is by His purpose, by His direction, 
And again, He has decided these things long before they take place. And so, this particular reminder of the covenant promise we see in Genesis 17 has come to pass because Abram has forgotten the promise. Abram has forgotten who he is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's forgotten what God has said to him. Again, Genesis 17 is one of the the best illustrations of that glorious reality. That though we may forget God, though we may transgress the law of God, though we may, like Abram, forget the promise, that because God has made the promise to us, we have the assurance that God will never forsake His promise to His people. You see, that's one of the things, again, that's going on here because what happens in Genesis 16? Again, it's important when we we come to the Scriptures that we always read a little bit ahead of time. Right? Read read some stuff that happened before. Because again, the Bible is not kind of written uh, like a book of essays where you can just kind of take things and, uh, and use them for whatever purpose you would like. Again, everything is following something else. Well, in Genesis 16, uh, we have uh, not only the birth of Ishmael, but we see Abram uh, kind of giving up on the promise of God. You see, he's resting in what God's given to him in Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was not the son of the promise. What was the promise that God had made to Abram? That out of him would come a nation. And that out of Sarai, would come a nation. Again, what does the Bible tell us? Where did Ishmael come from? Ishmael came from Hagar. Hagar was not of the line of the promise. And Ishmael was not a child of the promise. Abram here has, has been resting in Ishmael. He's been resting in this son who is not the son of Sarai and was not the son that God had promised in Genesis 15. And this is why God again comes to Abram. And it says here in verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. You see, there's nothing new about this. Right? God had already made this promise to Abram. And God here appears to Abram and repeats the promise. Now, why is God repeating the promise? Well, again, it's not just that he's forgotten, but that he's resting in a false promise. Right? His faith, his trust, his being is in this son who is not going to be, again, this son of promise. And so God appears to him reminds him of who the real promise is, and how do we see Abram react to God appearing? When we're told in verse 3 that Abram fell on his face. Again, what is this representing? What does it mean when a man falls on his face in the Scriptures? Well, again, it's a sign. It's a, a, a way of showing repentance. It's a way of Abram falling before the mercy of God. Again, he recognizes that he has broken the covenant that God had made with him. 
And again, we see in this chapter, in chapter 17, such a beautiful example of the mercy of God upon His children. Again, God, having seen Abram breaking the covenant, has not cast Abraham, Abram off. He hasn't said, well, Abram's failed the test, I guess I need to pick somebody else. Because reality is, what can we all say about our own uh, ability to keep the covenant? Again, as a wise man once said, if we could lose our salvation, we would. If, if it was possible for us uh, to be cast out of the family of God, we would be quickly shown the door. Because what's the reality of all of us? Again, all of us are sinners. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have been like Abram. We have placed our faith and our trust in those things that are not what God has promised us. We've looked for strength and for hope and for peace and comfort in what the Bible references here as a kind of Ishmael faith. We look upon things and say, well, that's good enough. Again, is that what God has promised? Again, what has God promised Abram? God has promised from His own loins would come an heir, would come a son. And that son would come from Abram and Sarai. Again, Abram had failed uh, to heed that promise. Because again, one of the things that, 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 that Moses is doing here is notice what verse 16 says of Genesis 16. It says, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And then the first verse of, of chapter 17 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him. Now, again, I'm not going to try to do math up here. I, I probably should be able to subtract 99 from 86. But we see there's a period of time between the birth of Ishmael and the Lord appearing to Abram. Now, what, what is this supposed to teach us? Again, this is not just one of these reference points. Again, because every word of Scripture is given to us as a profitable means to teach us about the work of the Lord. Again, when does God come and appear to Abram? Does He appear to him uh, the day that Ishmael is born? Does He appear to him a week later? No, we see here that there's a 13-year gap between uh, the birth of Ishmael and the coming of the Lord. And, and what's that supposed to represent? Again, this is an example of the forbearance of the Lord with His people. Again, He gives Abram plenty of time to figure out what the problem is. He gives Abram plenty of time to realize where he has failed in the face of the Lord. And that's one of the greatest blessings that the Lord gives us. Again, is that His judgment doesn't immediately come down upon us. Again, God gives us, again, room in which to see our own sin. He gives us, again, this forbearance throughout our Christian lives in order that we might see these things ourselves and He doesn't have to come down with the spiritual two-by-four and bump us upon the head. And again, what are some of the ways that Abram should have picked up on this sin himself? Again, for Abram, you, know, you think of the covenants that God had already made that Abram would have known about. Again, think of the covenant of promise that was given to Noah 
earlier on in the book of Genesis. Again, every time Abram saw the rainbow, what was he supposed to remember? Again, not just that God promised He wouldn't destroy the world again by flood, but that God was present with him. And that God was watching over him. And that God's assurance promise would always be true. And so when Abram looked up to that rainbow, he was supposed to be reminded of the promise that God had made to him in chapter 15. But again, he had allowed not only his faith, but his understanding of God to grow cold in his heart. He'd allowed uh, these amazing events to be forgotten. And he was satisfied with Ishmael. When that's not what God had promised to him. And it's an important thing to remember in our own Christian lives as we think about the nature of God's promise and plan unto us. Again, what are we satisfied in? And are we satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we satisfied, again, in this world that's around us? Are we satisfied uh, with uh, the kind of external realities of the world? So again, when we look up at the rainbow, when we think upon these things, we're meant to be reminded of the same thing that Abram was supposed to be reminded of. That our God is ever present with us, that our God is watching over us, and that the same promise that God made to Abram is the same promise He has made to us. That He is our God and that we are His people. Another, another thing that, that God is doing here with Abram, again, He's, he, he's showing His forbearance, he's, he's calling him out on his sin. And again, we see from Abram you know, this repentance. This willingness to be corrected by the Lord our God. And again, this shows us something about the nature of the heart of Abram. Again, Abram is not here making excuses to the Lord. Right? We don't see Abram, when God reminds him of the covenant, going, well, you know, well, Ishmael is a good boy. You know, he, he, he does what I tell him to do and... You know, all these things, right? We don't see Abram, you know, trying to kind of, you know, do kind of a, a conversation with God. We see Abram immediately fall to his face as he's convicted by the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's an important thing to think of in our own, again, walks with Christ. Again, we see the maturity of Abram here. Again, not only is he willing to receive the rebuke of the Lord... But again, He shows us how we're to respond to the rebuke of the Lord. You know, with repentance. With an understanding that we have sinned before the Lord. And again, think of the, kind of the physical action of falling on one's face. You know, if you're laying on the ground with your face on the ground, what does that make you? That makes you vulnerable, right? You know, we, we, we think you know, most directly here of, uh, of kind of those medieval time things where you know, a, a, a knight will come in to the place and kneel down and expose the back of his neck to the king. And again, not only does that show his trust in the king, but he's also placing himself at the mercy of the king. And again, that's what we see Abram here. Again, he's, he's willing to pay the price for his sin. He's willing to face the rebuke, the judgment of God for his sin. But how does God again react to uh, this repentance that we see from Abram? 
We see God repeat the promise again in verse 4. He says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Now, again, this is one of these instances where the Bible where we see someone's name changed. Now, sometimes people's names are actually being changed, and sometimes it's just a means of showing us something about the person. For example, you know, Simon Peter didn't get a new name, right? Paul didn't get a new name, right? We're just no, we just are referencing them, both of them now by their Greek names instead of their Hebrew names. But Abraham really truly does get a new name here. And of course, we, we didn't talk about this, but Sarah also will get a new name, right? Sarai will go from being S-A-R-A-I to S-A-R-A-H, now, both of them are, are given these names. And what they're meant to represent, again, is exactly what follows here in, 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 in verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And again, that's what the name Abraham means. Again, father of the multitudes. You see, God is helping Abraham remember the covenant promise. And not only does he change his name, but he also gives him again this sign of circumcision. This shows us something about the nature of what God understands about us. That we need help. We need to be reminded of God's covenant promise. We need to have not only these visual reminders... But we need, again, to understand that God is our God and that we are His people. That's one of the reasons why we have the sacraments, why we have baptism in the Lord's Supper. Again, both of them are visual words. They're visual representations of God's covenant promise. Just as when we put the sign of baptism, uh, as we place the water on the child or the adult who has come to faith, What we're saying is, is not that they are being washed by the water that we got out of the tap. What we're saying is, is that they are are already in this reality. They are already belonging to the Lord. That we are recognizing this truth. So again, remember what Paul said in Romans 4. Again, these promises had already been made to Abram. Right? You know, he didn't become a part of God's kingdom when he was circumcised. Right? He became part of the kingdom when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. Right? When God placed his name upon him. In fact, really, when did Abram become a part of God's kingdom? When God, from before the foundation of the world, called Abram into his family. And all these things that are happening in history are because of God's already made decision to do these things. And again, God, knowing our weakness, has given us uh, these visual representations to remind us. So every time we see a baby or an adult baptized, what is it supposed to do for us? Right? We're supposed to be reminded that God is our God and that we are His people. And that God has placed His hand upon us. And that we are members of this kingdom, of this multitude of nations. Likewise, we come to the table and we we, we eat the bread and we drink of the cup. 
What are we doing there? Again, we are communing with the body and blood of the Lord. We are not only being refreshed by the work of God's grace through the taking of the elements, but in the breaking of the bread and the pouring of the cup, we are being reminded of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in His death. In His taking our sins upon Himself. In His being the sacrifice for us. Again, just as circumcision was replaced by baptism, all of the Old Testament festivals and uh, uh, sacrifices were replaced by the Lord's Supper. And that's one of the blessings of the New Testament. So again, not only do we not have to go to Jerusalem to be reminded of these things, but again, the sacrifice has taken place. Right? We don't have to sacrifice bulls anymore. We don't have to sacrifice uh, sheep. We don't have to do these things. Again, not because they were bad. Because again, nothing that the Lord does is wrong. But because the fulfillment has come in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Abram was given again this, this, this sign as a child under age. But we have been given the sign as those who know what it signifies. Know that it signifies, again, who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, brothers and sisters, we are weak vessels. Again, and God knows that we are weak. And God has not left us in our weakness. He hasn't left us in the darkness. He hasn't left us in our inability. But He's given us these things to not only help us, but to enrich our understanding. Of what He has done for us in the Lord Jesus. Again, when the Apostle Paul is dealing at length with the Judaizers who've come into the church who are, who are claiming that to be a Christian means you also have to be a Jew. And not only do you have to be circumcised if you're a man, but you have to continue in the food laws and all of the Old Testament sacrifices. That all you've really gained is uh, this man from Nazareth. But again, the gospel is much more uh, than that. Right? These things have been replaced by the work of Christ. And so in Colossians 2.11, Paul will say, In Him you were also circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And think about the language there uh, that Paul saying in Colossians 2. In Him you were also circumcised. Look at how are we circumcised in Jesus Christ. Again, what is that? that? That makes no sense if we read it at first. But think about what that's representing. Again, what does circumcision mean here in Genesis 17? Again, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And that should be a sign of the covenant between me and you. We can think of what Paul says here again in Colossians 2. In Him you were also circumcised. Again, in the circumcision, this sign of God's covenant promise, we are in that covenant promise because we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were in Him at the cross at Calvary. And when we think about it in that way, again, that's where the righteousness that each one of us possesses comes from. Again, it comes not from the work of the flesh. It comes not from our keeping the law. It comes not from the sacraments. 
Again, it comes from what they represent. Again, the assurance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, He has kept the covenant for us. And that in keeping of that covenant, we have been blessed through Him. And will continue to be blessed uh, through Him. As Paul writes in Ephesians 1, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And this is the beauty of the Gospel. And what the Lord Jesus has done, again, is what Abraham could not do. What Moses could not do. What David couldn't do. And this is why our faith is in the finished work of Christ. That's why our faith is in the beauty of the heavenly places that Christ has gone before us to prepare a place for us. Because again, we can't do these things. Could Abraham keep the law? Well, we've already seen he couldn't keep the law. But again, God has come once more to remind him of the truth of the promise. Abram, you have sinned. Abram repents. God gives him a sign of this reality. And what do we see happen in chapter 18? Again, we see the son of promise come. We see the child whom God had promised to Abraham and to Sarah come in the the, the person of uh, this young boy. And we see in Isaac, again, this reality. And of course, God will will, will test Abraham once again. And you remember uh, that scene as Abraham is taking his son up onto the mount. And we hear Isaac speak to Abraham. And what does he say? Dad, where's the sacrifice? And where is it? And as you read that, you see Isaac's brain start processing. And Isaac realizes he's the sacrifice. But what does Abraham tell his son? He says, God will provide a sacrifice. And in fact, that's exactly what the Lord God does. He provides the sacrifice. He provides the ram. And again, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He has provided the sacrifice. He has provided His only begotten Son. He has provided that sacrifice because He is this God who keeps His promises. He is this God who has given to us this new life. Again, He has given to us these things because not only does He love us, but because He knows us and knows what we need and knows what we cannot do for ourselves. So brothers and sisters, as we go out unto a world that is denied Christ crucified, and let us say with the psalmist uh, that this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. And we've been given this wonderful gift in the Gospel. We've been given this wonderful gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us rest in that promise. And what does Isaiah tell us? You know, the, 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 the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. Again, we understand that that word is the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us rest and trust and have our being and have our hope and our comfort and our peace and our joy and our happiness in Him alone. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks again.